Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Tonight on the Hinckley Report, Utah's leaders react to President Biden's State of the Union address to a divided Congress as Mitt Romney makes headlines. As the session reaches the halfway point, legislators debate how to spend a historic surplus and make major tax cuts. And leaders take on some of the biggest issues facing our state. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Derek Brown, former chair of the Utah Republican Party, Kate Bradshaw, member of the Bountiful City Council, and Jeff Merchant, former chair of the Utah Democratic Party. I'm so glad to be with you all here this evening. A lot in politics, our legislature, and in Washington, D.C. And I want to start there because the president gave his State of the Union speech this week. And it's interesting that there are a lot of storylines from this that connect right to the state of Utah. But I want to get to the substance of that for just a moment with you, Jeff, considering your various roles here at the Democratic Party in particular. Some themes from this speech that you saw that may carry into the next general election. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that we can look at. I mean, first and foremost, I think that this theme of continuing to find ways to bring ourselves together as a country was important. Um, that's a theme that uh, President Biden utilized during the 22 election. I think that's going to continue into 24. I think it's going to be continually a challenge given um, some of the things we've seen in the, the U.S. House of Representatives, but I think that that's an important thing. I think the other element that was really interesting in his speech is that in many ways he stuck to bread and butter issues, uh, whether that was health care, um, you know, infrastructure work, things like that, as opposed to some of the more hot button, maybe social issues that uh, we see being thrown around quite a bit uh, in the media right now. Yeah. So, Kate, we saw that a lot of time on health care, which there was a period of time where we weren't hearing about that too much out of Washington, D.C. Health care, as we mentioned, infrastructure, a lot about the economy. We did. And, you know, Joe Biden is always at his best, I think, when he's connecting with people. He's had a lot of loss in his life at different stages. And so he always is really good when he's, like, reaching into the audience to tell, tell stories and show us that he's got a very human connection. And so he spent some time on that. But, man, he spent a lot of time talking about Social Security. He spent a lot of time talking about uh, Medicare. And that led to some really interesting yeah. back and forth with uh, with the audience, the, yeah. you know, the members of Congress that were there. Yeah, we're going to get to that one in just a moment, but it really did. That's, that struck a nerve with many, even in, in that body. Uh, Derek, the response, uh, Governor Sarah Huckabee, the Republican mm -hmm. response came right after. Talk about some of the themes that came there. It was, you see these two, these two groups kind of setting the stage. Well, you do, but I think, <clears throat> not to sort of pour the cold water on, on, on this discussion, but I think there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of controversy, I think, because he deliberately went out of his way to kind of poke at certain members of the body. And, and I think that's what the response you see with, for instance, Senator Lee. And at one point you see him really concerned. You know, he's got this look of kind of anger because essentially the president's saying is half of you in this body want to pretty much do away with Social Security and Medicare. And that's not exactly you know, I think a fair characterization. And so I think you get this back and forth and there's been a lot of press on that issue. 
Okay, since well, that point. we better talk about it for a second because it wasn't just uh, President Biden saying Republicans want to get rid of these programs. We called Mike Lee out by name. He, he called him out, and and really, and I think it's a mischaracterization of something he said in a campaign video about 12 years ago or 13 years ago. So it's been a long time, and I think what what Senator Lee was saying is this is like Social Security is a is a fund that that Congress raids regularly, misuses, mishandles. We need to adjust that. We need to fix that. But we need to make it really clear that anyone that we owe obligations to, we should honor those obligations. Well, that part didn't get mentioned at all. Uh -huh. So President Biden only mentioned the first part. So I think you see a lot of sort of angst by Republicans, and you can see it on their faces. And I think, unfortunately, the days of just everyone politely clapping and that kind of decorum, I think those days may be yeah. disappearing slowly. I, I want to get to the civility of it for a second there, too. But, but since then, you know, Senator Mike Lee has come out recently saying, you know, I did say this a bunch of years ago. I meant something broader than this. Is this kind of what he's saying? Well, yeah, he's basically saying, look, you got to paint the whole picture to say that we want to get rid of Social Security or Medicaid altogether. That isn't really an accurate picture. And so I think that's why you see so many of them angry and, and the, there's this, this sort of shot of him or video of him sort of looking really angry. And I think for, for good reason, because that's not what he said at all. But I think it's unfortunate that the president's using this issue as kind of a wedge issue. I think we'd like to see a, a state of the union where it's just bringing people together and focusing on what you're for as opposed to what you're against. And by doing that, I think the president is sort of setting the stage perhaps for a reelection. Okay, mm -hmm. is, is this a wedge issue? You know, it is a little bit of a wedge issue, but I think more than, than the actual talking points from both parties is that it allowed Joe Biden to show um, that he's able to spar in real time. And some people have doubted his ability to do that. And, and I thought that was really interesting as I was watching, that he's, he's um, you know, laying out his, his ideas, his path, his plans, and he's getting real-time reaction from the Republican yeah. side, and, and he's able to, you know, deviate from the scripted uh, talking points on the teleprompter and, and engage and use it. And that is, you know, that is interesting, and that has been something that has been a little bit of a narrative of, um, as one of our oldest presidents, is he still on top of his game? And that, that looked good for him in the speech, that he could do that. He could pivot, he could engage, and kind of maybe mm. want to pin down some of what that back and forth with the audience meant. Yeah, let's talk about this for, for just a moment with you, Jeff, because it's interesting. We had a student actually submit a question this week that got to this very issue about just how he performed there and what it might mean for President Biden going forward. Let's uh, watch this question and then give us the answer. Hi everyone, um, my name is Lily Jones. I'm an undergraduate political science student here at the University of Utah. And I was just wondering about the recent State of the Union speech. Um, I know that President Biden, a lot of Democrats haven't been super enthused about him winning in 2024, mostly because of his age. Um, he would be the oldest incumbent president to run for re-election. Um, but he gave a pretty strong speech recently this week at the State of the Union. And I'm wondering what you think this means for his re-election campaign. Is this a pretty clear sign that he's going to run for re-election? And will he be able to garner enough Democratic support? Um, thank you so much. Okay, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I think the—thank you, Lily, for the question. I think that what Kate just mentioned is— spot on, um, you know, these issues of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, um, this was an opportunity 
for the president to show in real time that uh, he could spar with Republicans and that he has the mental capacity and the physical capacity to do so. I think that as we move uh, into 2024, we may see a few, uh, a few Democrats that, that grumble and want to do something. I'd be surprised if, uh, if President Biden chooses to run, which based on this speech, I would be very surprised if he chooses not to. Um, I, I think that the way will be clear for him. At the same time, he's also uh, preempting the argument that I'm sure will come from Donald Trump and probably from some other Republicans, that he is just too old, that he's senile, that he's this and that. Some of these far-right uh, conspiracy theories that don't really seem to be true. I think that it's also, you know, as Derek was talking about, with uh, Governor Huckabee is, is clear that um you know, Republicans see age as potentially an issue. There's a reason why the youngest governor in the United States um, was uh, the one that they chose to respond to President Biden. Yeah, please, Derek, talk about that. Well, no, I think this is, from a political standpoint, what he did by focusing on the issues of Social Security and Medicaid, things that matter to the more senior members of, of our population. It was a smart political move because he's looking at, number one, a potential challenger mm -hmm. who's the governor of Florida, right? Number two, he's looking at a group of individuals that he didn't really do that well with in the last election. So he's saying, okay, how do I, number one, focus on uh, you know, our senior citizens? How do I focus on picking up support among them? How do I focus on states like Florida and also attack the person who is likely to be one of my challengers? I mean, it was like a threefer. So mm -hmm. in terms of uh, you know, a smart political move, I think, number one, it was a political move that was very wise. But at the same time, I think he's signaling, as Jeff was saying, the fact that that he's running, and if he's running, these are some of the themes that you're going to see him running on. Mm -hmm. you know, the other thing to just mention there is that, for better or for worse, a few of the Republicans just took the bait right there. And I think that it would have been much wiser for uh, some of the members, you know, um, that yelled certain things and all of that. It would have been much wiser for them to just stay quiet. I think that they actually played into exactly what he wanted to have happen, and they would have been better off um, just staying quiet and allowing comedy to rule the day. Uh, Kate, what do you think about that? Did you have a comment I was, I was already? I just say, you know, the, the, the response, whichever party is, you know, not yeah. in power and therefore has to do the response, they always have a tough role, right? Yeah. Because you're, you're not speaking to an audience, so you don't get some of that energy, that excitement, the pomp and circumstance. You're often having to, like, pre-record or, you, you know, you're not able to react in real time to whatever the person who's speaking first has said. Yeah. So I think, you know, Governor Huckabee Sanders had that kind of not in her favor that she was going to have to go with what they thought in advance. Um, but she, you know, she's very popular and she is, um, she is going to be an interesting person to, to watch as she, you know, leads out mm -hmm. as our, our newest and youngest governor. Um, but I do think that there were, um, there were probably more wins in the State of the Union for the president than there were losses, would be my overall assessment. Well, just your final take on what everyone's mentioned here. It's interesting in the State of the Union now, it's become common to have boos and people it yelling. Is. Pe it is so. You know, on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, yeah I, you know. Something's I, happened. It, at this table, I am certain that we are all political nerds, so we've probably all watched Prime Minister's Question Time, and yes. that, that, I think, is what I see, is this feels more like Prime Minister's Question Time, where you expect, you know, the, the, the cheers, the boos, the jabs, and um, kind of the, the real-time live debate aspect, and that hasn't been our political tradition for the State of the Union, but it is becoming that. Yeah. Sometimes, I think, not in a good way, um, you know, that it detracts from, from what I love about the State of the Union, but 
you know, for those of you that love a good political theater debate, it's now got those elements. <laughs> yes. Let, let's let's talk about the political theater just a little bit too, because I, as I mentioned. Threads of stories about Utah, even after the the State of the Union, before and after. I want to talk about Senator Mitt Romney for just a second, Derek, because I just kind of set the stage. I want to I want to show some video here as he's as he's entering uh, the State of the Union. He, he comes across George Santos, and uh, there's an exchange uh, going on between the two of them. I want to talk about for just a minute. Just watch this for a second because there's an exchange, and then uh, we actually get to hear what Mitt Romney thought about that. I want to watch this exchange. Uh, you can see them here on the, the floor uh, of the House. Uh, conversation happens here. And then here's what we get from Senator Romney right at the end of this, explaining what happened here. Why did, why did why you did want to say, say that, I didn't expect that he'd be standing there trying to shake hands with every senator in the President of the United States. It's, uh, given, given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying quiet instead of... Uh, Parading in front of the uh, president and, uh, and and people coming into the room. Okay, so, so of course, uh, San Representative Santos is under investigation, yes. ethics uh, investigation, because of some statements he made about his credentials, his career, his resume, lots of things on the line here. It's interesting we have this response. Talk about this and why Senator Romney is making these statements. Well, first of all, I think from a from a party standpoint, this is an absolute disaster for a political party. As Jeff would probably agree with me, if you're the if you're the chair of a party, a man stole from a dog. <laughs> you know? I mean, it just gets worse Allegedly. and worse. Well, yeah, if that was the only <laughs> think he did, then he'd be just fine. Yeah. I mean, it gets worse and worse, and and there's no recall mechanism for a member yeah. of Congress, right? I mean, the only recall mechanism is impeaching, and it takes two-thirds of the body, and they don't do that until an ethics investigation makes a recommendation, which is going on right now. So, I mean, there's just, there's no pretty way around this when his own party has basically said he should resign. So, the guy's sort of a pariah there, and I would have expected, honestly, I would have expected Romney to just be polite, shake his hand, and just kind of be the diplomat. It was interesting that he's showing uh, you know, a punchy side to him that I don't know that we've seen necessarily in the past where, I mean, he had, I mean, if we got the right words in terms of the exchange, I mean, the two of them went back and forth yeah. and it was not pleasant and, and Santos punched back and, and you saw a little bit of Santos because you wondered yeah. if this guy is as punchy as well and it sounds like... Uh, you know, he, he is, and so yeah. it, that's why I think it made some headlines. Yeah, I think so too. Just Kate, one more thought on this too, with Senator Romney saying something. He's become the person there in the Senate that does say something. I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I actually really come to enjoy this and really like this about Senator Romney. He will say the thing, the thing that a lot of us are thinking, um, but we don't say. No one wants to and, say. And, and he's, he's said it, and, and uh, you know, with Derek, I'm a little surprised he, he has that diplomatic background, so I'm a little surprised he said it, but I sort of enjoy he said it, and he's, he said it at numerous times. He said it about, um, you know, January 6th. He said it about COVID. He's, he's, he sometimes just said the thing, and it to me, it rings as, as being very authentic, and it's something that I like about Senator Romney is I feel like there's authenticity there. I think a lot of people were probably, a lot of Republicans were probably going, yeah. thank you for saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> I think that actually this is a, a deeper issue for Senator Romney, and and I, I deeply, I actually really respect him. I, I'm surprised he did it, but I respect him for it. And I think that it goes back to what we were just talking about, which is this idea of what is the real purpose for these people that are in Washington, D.C.? And part of that is to pass laws. Part of that is to govern the country. But it's also about being an example and being something that's a little bit better than, um, than each of us could be. 
And I think that uh, Mitt Romney, through the impeachment process, through you know these other comments that Kate has mentioned, through the way that he behaved even the other night, shows this idea of integrity being important. And frankly, George Santos represents the opposite of that. He represents the exact opposite of that. And I could see, um, I could see how someone who's trying to make the body better uh, would be really frustrated by that. I want to get to some very local issues, too, because it does end up being how these people are elected. Uh, and all of you, at some point, have touched this issue of how people get on the ballot. You've held office before, Derek, currently in office, uh, Kate, for you as well. Uh, but you all have been involved in what we have, we've talked about on the show before, the Senate Bill 54, the two paths to get on the ballot through the, the caucus convention system and through signature gathering. And every session, this comes up as to whether or not that we'll be talking about you know, chipping away at that in some way or modifying it. And we'll start with you, Derek, on this one, because we do have at least one bill I want to talk about. There's a couple uh, in particular, but one this week, this is House Bill 393, primary ballot requirements. This is Jordan Tusher of South Jordan. And he's looking to change a little bit, saying that if a candidate gets 70% or better at convention, there would not be a primary. That would be the candidate for the party. Talk about that and what it means for this kind of long-term approach we've had to getting onto the ballot. Well, I had a chance to speak with him about this yesterday, coincidentally, and he made the comment. He said, look, I don't know of any circumstance, if ever, where a candidate's gotten over 70% and then lost. He says, it's almost mm -hmm. unheard of. And so the idea is, if you get 70% in convention, the reality is the chance of you losing is pretty much non-existent. So why should you have to have a primary, even if someone collects signatures? So what he's trying to do, and I think that this is something that I struggled with as a party chair, is you want the party to be uh, you know, you want the, the, the party to be successful, you want it to be strong and robust. SB 54 sort of chipped away at that. And it, it created a way for someone to get around the party and around the party system. And so what it did is it exploited this tension between different bases of the party. And I mean, it, mm -hmm. it created, it sort of set off a, a time bomb right in the middle of at least the Republican Party. I didn't see this as much in the Democrat Party in terms of the, the back and forth and the, the consternation, but in, in the Republican Party, we, like, we debated this, and we're still debating this because it's had a lasting impact on the party. And I think what Representative Tusher is trying to do is find a way to sort of satisfy both sides, where you're not eliminating signature gathering altogether, but you're saying, practically speaking, at some point, signatures aren't really necessary, so, you know, why, why sort of sort of patronize this cottage industry yeah. of signature gathering. Uh -huh. Ooh, I, I, you know, I feel pretty strongly on this on this particular issue. Um, I, I don't think Representative Tischer's bill addresses the underlying problem with the caucus convention system, and that is the neighborhood caucus system, and the, the fact that we have um, struggled to have turnout from the individual precincts, and in particular, we've had underrepresentation from from women, um, from younger families in particular, because it's a hard system to show up that one that one night. Um, if you're looking for childcare or if you're working, um, it's it's a struggle. So for me, it doesn't get to that underlying problem that we were um, we were having a, a, a caucus convention system that just wasn't always representative of the people in those those neighborhoods and in those precincts. And I say this uh, currently as a, as a delegate in Davis County. I'm so sorry, Jeff, but for his party, um, <laughs> and you know, and also serving in a committee position within within um, the county party. But I just I think we still need this this um, this path until we can figure out a way to address some of those underlying things about how people become a delegate and what that means. Mm -hmm. 
Jeff, give us the Democratic perspective on this because you're impacted yeah. also. This is what I call a popcorn moment. We'll just sit back, <laughs> okay. eat our popcorn, and watch Republicans <laughs> argue. I mean, I I don't know if I totally agree with uh, Derek on this one. Um, I. Th this just seems like poking at a bear that shouldn't be poked at. Um, I think that we've we've found this kind of balance, and once again, within the Republican caucus, uh, this issue has come up um, again. And I think that you know, for the most part, on the Democratic side, if I'm being really honest, this affects Salt Lake City, um, not really even Salt Lake County, where we have um, I think more support than in many other counties. It could possibly affect a few places uh, further south as well, or or in Summit County, but for the most part, um, this isn't a huge Democratic issue. I think that, that what Derek says that I do think is really valid is there is this continual chipping away at uh, not necessarily party infrastructure, but party power. And I think that the big question that at some point we're going to have to decide on is, do we just want to let the people decide on this, or do we want to make sure that the, the party continues to? Because I don't know if within the party, it seems like after so many years, this issue might die off, and it, it just hasn't. Yeah. And so we may just be dealing with this until we finally make a decision. Well, uh, before we leave it, Kay, it was interesting because we had some comments from the group that worked on this Count My Vote initiative initially, Taylor Morgan, uh, talked about whether or not they would consider an initiative uh, based on this particular bill if it goes through. And what he said was that the, this, the initiative would, would be a, for direct primary elections only. That would be the only path. That's what they are saying in response to this. And that has, that has been the debate we've been having for years now, right? Because that has <laughs> yeah. been the, the constant threat is um, there are those that feel um, that the caucus convention system isn't, isn't representative. And if, if we're going to put more uh, weight on that system than the counterbalances, maybe we should just do away with it and have these direct primaries. And so that, like, we have been playing out these same parties, yeah. uh, these same factors, because it's not even necessarily parties, you're right, it is mostly all on our side, uh, but these same factors battling this out again and again, and we just have the threat of a ballot initiative, and then we have people wanting to introduce bills or repeal you know, the, the initial bill that, that put in signature gathering, and we just, we just keep having it. It's a Groundhog Day issue. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's get into some things gonna, that will happen in the last couple of weeks of the legislative session. And, and Derek, this is the money times. First three weeks, <laughs> we hear all the requests for appropriation, and it is. That's a long list. I couldn't even believe how many people I was up there asking on behalf of the University of Utah, of course. Uh, talk about what the priorities are that you are hearing from legislative leadership right now in terms of the big blocks of funding. Well, I mean, uh, the big one that people have talked about is education. I mean, that's always such a huge portion of the budget. And so this year we're going to be seeing a large portion go to teacher increases in terms of salary increases. We're also going to see this new backpack funding program and see how that works out. So that's a, that's a big one. There's a lot of social services that are going to be funded. Um, water issues are always yeah. front and center in terms of you know where we are right now we've got a lot of snowpack things are doing well from a, you know from a from a water standpoint this year but we still need many more years to catch up with where we are so I think we're gonna see those kind of three areas will be the focus of most of the of the funding mm -hmm. uh, Jeff it's interesting that uh, the 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 kind of the appropriations are going to come to things like environmental issues water issues infrastructure issues this is everyone in the legislature, both sides of the aisle. Talk about how we've come to that point right there, because it seems like everyone's kind of rowing together now. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't want to blame any one group, but, you know, we <laughs> have had single-party control for many, 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 many years in the state of Utah, so I'm glad to see 
that there are people in the legislature that really do feel like some of these issues are important, whether it's inversion issues, certainly water and water quality issues. When you have lower water, when you don't have as much water, that water quality becomes much more important. And there are a myriad of other issues that I think uh, there are Republicans in the legislature that do finally recognize we have to do something. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of solutions they come up with. I don't know if uh, those have all been resolved quite yet, but I, I certainly think that, uh, especially um, along the Wasatch Front, uh, there's just no choice but to start addressing some of these matters. Mm -hmm. uh, Kate, what are you hearing on tax cuts? Ooh, they are looking at a number of different things. They won't finalize the package until they get new revenue estimates, which happens just right around President's Day for the legislative process. But there are groups that are looking for um, changes to sales tax on food, the state portion of the sales tax on food. There's so that's going to happen? I don't know if it's going to. Um, I think that there, there are three different ideas that have been floated in different bills. Um, but what I've heard from legislative leadership is they feel like there's still the silos for income tax um, between education and now also some social services. But that's where our revenue growth is, is in the income mm -hmm. tax side. And the legislative leadership seems to feel like until they have um, what they would probably th consider handcuffs on those funds and can move them back into the, the general fund to spend on all things, they're not sure they can reduce sales tax, which is our general fund. So I think we're going to be looking at an income tax cut, um, potentially some that are targeted, Social Security, things for veterans, things like that. Um, I, I think we we may, if they if they tinker with the sales tax on food, I think it'll be very minor. Um, potentially those that are uh, WIC uh, food items, food mm -hmm. staples. But I think we're going to land more heavy on the income tax side. Okay. What about the property tax side, Derek? Because it's interesting because that's what like Senator Dan McKay, for example, is proposing a, a resolution just this week about something like that. Well, I think we're going to see, I think everything's on the table, but I think Kate's right in terms of, you know, income tax is really, I think, one of the critical things. The food tax tends to be, you know, the, the, the more, uh, there's more press on that issue. Property tax, possibly, but it's going to be a combination of all three. But I think in, 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 in closing, I think the reality is we're going to see we're going to see a decrease in taxes in the state of Utah. Not like some of our surrounding states, like Arizona. They had a massive decrease, you know, in the last couple of years. I don't think we'll see anything like that, but we'll see. We'll see a decrease. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Watch what's happening. A lot of these bills, particularly uh, the ones dealing with tax cuts, are going to happen in the last few days of this legislative session, and we're going to see a lot more on the Hinkley Report in the coming weeks. So thank you so much for being with us tonight and for your great insight. Thank you for listening to the Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.